0: of my interview with Roger Yates, and um, I hope you enjoy. I wanted to get back to what you mentioned briefly now and what we were talking about before, about how vegetarianism and veganism is considered the same thing, even more so than before, yeah?
1: Yeah, I'm rather concerned about the fact that I see more and more accounts where um, these words are just used interchangeably within one paragraph. You know, as though that you know they say, well, you know, enjoy this vegetarian meal. You know, it's it's great, it's great, it's great to be a vegan and this kind of stuff. And you think, hang hey, on a minute, wait a minute, you, you, you're, you're mixing up a couple of things. Now, there is a particular reason why I am so concerned about it, um, okay. which is that there are problems within uh, veganism. Now, as you mentioned before, or kind of alluded to, I kind of appear quite a lot on uh, some forums. Now, often. What tends to happen on forums is you get basically going, oh, you know, I'm going to go and have a, uh, have a bacon butty now, this kind of stuff. But there are some where some people are actually rather considered. And there is one which um, features quite a lot of environmentalists. And they are particularly concerned about the kind of moral high ground of vegans who suggest that their diet and lifestyle is completely cruelty-free and everybody else is murderers. Yeah. Uh, and they were saying, okay. well, you know, shouldn't it be the case that vegans actually acknowledge that their lifestyle also cause, causes harm to non-humans?
0: Absolutely. We all, that, absolutely.
1: That is, But, yeah, you see, that, that is true. We do cause harm to non-humans. Yes. It's a structural absolutely. problem. They, they yes. for example, they, 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 they sent out some um, pictures from YouTube which showed the kind of harvesting that goes on in North America. And um, they, they, it was, it was a, a picture of these massive combine harvesters, all in a row, mm-hmm. coming through these massive, kind of, um, grain, you know, the, the wheat prairies. You know? yeah. Now, the, the chances of the non-humans that were in that field escaping was minimal because yeah. of the way they were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So my answer to, to it, again, it, it points to the fact that we need more vegans, because if we had more vegans, then we would be able to make these structural changes. We would be able to force them not to produce grain in that yeah. way. For yeah. example, there must be ways of clearing the fields first. There might yeah. be technology that would be available in order to warn the non-humans that, that, that these machines are, are coming. You know, yeah. uh, The real problem, it's, of course, is that these machines are being driven by speciesists. You know, mm-hmm. If they were being driven by vegans, ethical vegans, then we would, every time we think, well, wait a minute, if we're doing something that harms a non-human, we would then think, well, we must change this system, because that would be our motivation, yeah? Yeah, and
0: so absolutely, it, and everybody's capable of, you know, we're all capable of doing that motivation, but not if you're not even being told, not if you're not, yeah, exactly, yeah. and it's not a, it's not about being superior, it's about, look, you know, if, if, if we're, when we woke up to the fact that um, it was wrong to, I don't know, beat I, I don't know, use child labor or something like that. I mean, people people will make the decision to, to make their industries, okay, well, we're going to produce this. And obviously it still exists, but they will make the steps that are needed to eradicate that when they realize it's morally wrong. And they personally don't yeah, want to do right. it. And,
1: th- and that feeds directly into what you said uh, a few minutes ago, which is that people still need food, like people still need T-shirts, but they don't want yeah. T-shirts that are, are created in sweatshops. So they, yeah. will, they will force a structural change and still have the product. Like we, you know, we still need farmers. We probably, in yeah. fact, in a vegan world, there are probably more farmers on the land than there is now. See, yeah. that's
0: fantastic. I, I want to use that down here. You know, um, I, I love that you said that. I, I'm going to use that one. You know, it's not a, it's not a battle about, you know, uh, you know these people are evil and I want to end their all that, all the, the, you know, we just want to change the way that things are done. And, That's right. And I, this... I, I,
1: I want there to be farmers. There was an, there was an interview, I just caught it um, by chance on Irish radio uh, last week, where this woman rang in because um, the, the DJ was a pretty shallow program saying, you know, <laughs> you know r- r- ring, ring in and tell us what's, you know, your most unusual job, right? Now, uh... this woman rang in and said that she worked in a frozen pea factory, where they produce right. frozen peas. But her job was to remove all the twigs and the non-peas as, as they went down the conveyor belt because the machine that harvested the peas just kind of took out everything as, yeah. as it went. Okay. And he yeah. said, so, you know, part of my job was also to take take out the bits of dead rabbit and dead lizards from oh. the conveyor belt because they also got caught up in it. And I was thinking... Yeah. Well, you see, that's, that's the point. We're vegans. We want peas, but we don't want peas that way. If we have a yeah. movement of ethical vegans, we'd be saying, no, yeah. we don't want that. We, no, want, we want a structural production change. The mode of production mm-hmm. must change to make mm-hmm. it you know, more yep. vegan. Right?
0: And I want to say if Bron is listening, Bron had sent me an email and brought up something. Um, she's… Um, investigating things as well, and she brought up the fact that um, we're now trying to find out if soy milk is filtered through silk filters, and she also mentioned glue, and I know glue is a big one, and people have said, well, what do we do, you know, I mean, if you drive in a car, you know, it's like, that's why people can't get on the high horse, because we're all part of it, and that's why we need people to take responsibility and say, look, if I, you know, I, I think it's my responsibility to try to talk to people about veganism, I look at it as an obligation to, to talk about this, I really do, As yeah, for, for I, me, I, it's an obligation. I, I, I
1: tried to tackle this issue in my PhD. It caused me uh, um, some c- some worry in, in a sense because um, I think we ha- we need to be honest and think that probably being a, a total one hundred percent vegan is probably impossible.
0: It's impossible. Vegan. Well, we're not right now.
1: No, that's that's like. right. And so I, in the end, in my PhD, I said that. Um, you know, probably the best we can do is, is, is achieve a less speciesist world rather than a non-speciesist world. And I'm, I'm, still, I'm still not entirely happy with that. But um, it's probably a more truthful thing to say. The, the, rather than thinking, you know, we can have a non-speciesist world, we can probably have much l- less of one. And instead of thinking we can have a 100% vegan world, we could probably, have, you know, get close to it well i mean
0: i, I don 't know you just were talking before about the combine harvesters and things. I mean I think that you know look I mean if we had enough people who wanted to have soy milk that wasn 't filtered through a silk filter they 'd do it if we had enough people who wanted our shoes to be glued with non animal glue and our tires to be made I mean I think that I, I think it's possible I mean our existence and the fact that we need shelter and that we don 't have body here we need to build buildings and we need to, to to get the ground excavate the ground and put a house up that for me is not is not you know we're never going to be able to in order to shelter ourselves because we're a helpless species physically so we are going to be destructing habitats so that's when I say we're not vegan that's what I mean but with regard to the filters of the soy milk factories or the like you say yourself the way the peas are made I think we can I think that and the tires and the glue I think we can I think you're right yeah that's, that's and so, right
1: and that's exactly the point I was making that's why this <sighs> Juxtaposition between, um, you know, veganism and vegetarianism is is wrong because, you know, we're, we're not going to achieve those changes unless we've got an increase in ethical vegans who've then yeah. got social and market force, if you like. Now, obviously, you know, part of the discussion we haven't had is yeah. the notion of you know, capitalism, you know, whether capitalism can ever Actually, produce a just system, and of course, there are, there are lots of kind of problems with, with that idea. I and mean, cap- capitalism is, is based on, mm-hmm. you know, a few winners and many, many losers. And so, whether, yeah. whether capitalism itself can change to that extent um, would be pro- problematic for some some people. But what we're really saying is that we're almost kind of using the capitalist market to, to make well, change. Now, in some senses, yeah. you know, we can't we can't really avoid that. But I suppose there would be people say, well. You could do that to some extent, but you know the capitalist market will actually, you know, do whatever it, it takes to create more profit for, for the uh, you know the ruling class or whatever, um, and that would always mitigate against producing things on a moral level. It will always, it will always. No, um, not not if spectrum. their
0: entire consumer demand was was you know not if the consumer demand though. Was well, that's there. right.
1: I, I tend to agree with you. I think that if we radically change the outlook of the consumer, then yeah. if they're not looking only at profit and price, and, and yeah. they're looking at other things, that would force yeah. change. And, and it, would, it, might not, it might not be a complete um, solution to this issue, but it, it would create a radical difference, I would have thought. Because it I just means so. that, that, you know, the, the people the people who, do, who are producing in the way that the consumer didn't want w- wouldn't get trade, you know.
0: Yeah. That's why, That's why you know, I think that um, – that's why I do feel very comfortable just talking to um, people who aren't rich or powerful and saying, hey, you can go vegan. And, and, and if enough of us do – then the people who are, you know, quote-unquote running the world and stuff like that are going to have to sit up and pay attention. I mean, look, if every single person stopped eating McDonald's, it would cease to exist. It just wouldn't. If if we stopped buying the products, it's true. I mean, I think that that's true. But... Uh, how do we get people to uh, stop buying McDonald's? Well, we have to, you know, do these things. I mean, the reason I don't buy it anymore is the same reason why I would hope that the next person would not buy it. And I'm nobody special. I'm not, a, I'm not an economic genius or anything like that, but I can see the logic of that. I don't buy these products anymore. And I, and to be honest, if, if I find out about the soy milk, because this is something that Bron just pointed out to me, I actually rang the soy milk company. and for, I'll make my own soy milk at home. Now, with regard to, you know, car tires and the buses that I ride and stuff like that yeah that stuff's a little bit every bit that I can do myself as a consumer down to the last little tiny thing I'm going to do it because I, I am a, an ethical vegan for those reasons and that's why it gives me hope because everybody that i've known or like for example Bron, who we've kind of gone through this together um, she's i haven't met her we've you know we've only emailed each other, but she's just a recent vegan the way I am and things we you know I haven't known anybody um, who who has found this message you know who isn't one hundred percent dedicated in their life to living. You know, to living a vegan life and going out of their way and um, saying, "Oh, you, what about the soy milk?" Oh, well, I'm going to go check that out too. And so I think it's an all-encompassing thing. And once you grasp that, and once you change your life in that way, I think that people go for it 100%. They passionately think about it. They all. I used to go. I mean, I'll go out of my way. And if it doesn't have it, I won't buy it. I will not buy it. So I think that if you if we get the right message rather than this laid-back blah well, it's not so bad. You can have a little bit of ice cream, you know. If you're in, you know, if you're in Italy and you just really want to try it and everybody in the ta- – you know. No, I think that somebody who um, is doing what we're trying to – you know, is spreading the message that we're spreading will sit there and say, I'm not eating this. I don't care how good it is. I don't care if you all are ins- insulted. I'm not eating it. You know what I mean? Indeed.
1: Mm, indeed, and uh, hopefully part, part of the change – would be um, to actually get consumers to be critical of consuming, because yeah. I think I think that you know vegans, as a general kind of um, group, if you like, probably mm-hmm. consume much less I think in so general too. terms than other people. Mm-hmm. You know, even even if it's mainstream like films and movies and DVDs or, or, or whatever, yep. I think they might be a bit more thoughtful in, in that sense. But that's yep. certainly the kind of thing that we should engender: is that yep. we think about everything we consume because we are in a capitalist market. You know, and, and you, you are you are right to the extent that, you know, ultimately the capitalist depends on their, their audience. Now, yeah. you, you know, there are theories that, that say, well, they can just, you know, they can mold an audience, they can create an audience rather than just respond to one and that kind of thing, you know. Mm. But um, they they certainly would need to respond to a vegan audience because a, a vegan audience would be much more proactive they, they, yeah. and, and less passive, you know. What did the... Um, Soya milk uh, company they,
0: I the last time I spoke to them today was they were gonna call because the thing is I rang I rang the number on the box and because I had I had just got home from the supermarket when I saw this email. So I rang the number on the box and they said, oh you have to ring so and so and I said, Well aren't you the guys whose number on the box? And yeah, but we don't actually do it. We're gonna get you to our supplier. And so I'm being pushed around a bit. Yeah. I got a message on my phone today saying please call and I called Progressive. Now Progressive is the company that owns the supermarkets that Import the product, or they own the import business that imports the product, and they said they're going to go back to their supplier and get the processing and things like that.
1: Well, Elizabeth, so it we're... sounds to me that you've got yourself a global campaign here. We, we need to uh, we need to get on the internet and uh, check this out, and then yeah. get get these queries going in worldwide. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I want to do that. Yeah, let's yeah,
1: let's... because that that again, this is kind of testing the theory in a sense because. You know, if if we can get enough people querying this, which presumably yeah. the companies who are doing it, they're not doing it going, haha, you know, we, 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 we're. Uh, they don't we, have we're, a clue. You know, yeah, we, you know, we're fooling the vegans. They, like you say, they, they, want, they, want, they want to have a clue. You've got non vegans producing vegan food yeah. there.
0: Exactly. It's part of the
1: problem. Again, it just emphasizes once more that we need more vegans. You know, the, yeah. the, the ultimate problem is that we, there's not enough vegans. Um, Absolutely, I and then it comes back to the, the ideas then about whether we actually think there's enough out there to make a difference. Now, if if we think if we think that um, there the, the can't be many, you know, like the Eric Marcus kind of position, that mm. you know we're only ever going to have a very small amount of people because it's so difficult or whatever, you know, mm. then, then we do have a problem then. And I think that right. what, that's what informs their position is the fact that they don't really have any faith. Yeah, they, don't, no, they
0: think, don't know though, because we've they, never even tried it. If you're well, telling I, people that vegetarian's all good, you're never going to know.
1: Yeah, but I don't think I don't think they. Even though they, I mean, they're writing books about veganism, but I don't think Eric Marcus thinks he can make the case to a lot of people. He, you know, well, he, he he doesn't have the yeah. capability to make the case. He didn't. He doesn't even seem to he have convinced doesn't himself. Believe
0: as. in it. Yeah, he doesn't believe in it. So if you don't believe in it yourself, you know, he's always going to say to somebody at the least resistance, he'll say, "Well, okay, we'll just make sure you buy free range then." I'll never say that, and I don't. And, and the point is, is that the reason I won't say it is because it's not what I believe. And if the person comes back to me and says, "To heck with you, I'm going to buy what I want," I'm still going to say, "I, you know, I think you should buy this." I'm not going to turn around and say, "Well, okay, well, just you know." No, I'm still going to have the same message. I can't control what. I'm not a, I'm not an omnipotent superpower, but I'm never going to change the message. Never, never, never. And I actually do believe in it fully, one hundred percent, as well. So you're, it's no, nice. To, you're,
1: you're just a terrible, terrible radical Elizabeth because you're, you're I'm a total actually say what you believe rather than what you think is going to work I mean you'll never make a politician. you realize that don't you your political career is in ruins you know?
0: oh god I'll have to tell my constituents
1: you'll never be a spin doctor in the traditional sense because you just tell the truth too much you know we used to...
0: yeah you know I used to curse myself about that I'm glad I'm honest now I'm glad I'm honest, you know, it used to work against me, but not anymore. I'm I'm happy to be painfully honest. um, And um, I just believe in it logically as well. Uh, You know, it just makes sense to me. It just makes sense. So it really does. I don't, I don't understand how it, like, I don't understand how it doesn't make sense to some people, and that's not being elitist. It's just, well, I don't really know what their conditioning is. I don't know what they've been through in their life. I mean, for me, it all happened at the right time. Ten years ago, I could honestly say maybe I would have gone onto Gary's site and not read it and then just, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. So I know that with everybody it's different, so you have to always say it. And if you don't get that person at that time in their life, well, you're up against all kinds of conditioning because they're a complete stranger to you and you don't know anything about them. But you always got to say the message
1: because… I I totally agree with that. And and I think there's another important point too, is the fact that, you know, people think that that by saying that, you're saying that, um, you know, if people don't if people don't go vegan, then, then, then there's something wrong with them or you, you then no. criticize them. The, the, yeah, no. what, what the position is for me is that you just keep telling the truth and the truth yeah. is vegan-based. And so yeah. that's, that's our claims. That's our claims-making, right? Now, the thing is, yeah. what the audience does with our message is up to them. They're the receiver yeah. of the message. We are the transmitter of the message. So our message is always the same because we believe in it and that's what we want to yeah. say. Okay? Yeah. What the audience does with it is up to them because, you know we, 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 you know, we can't go and, you know, vegan police and, check, and you know, check everybody's fridges right. kind of thing. Right, okay. right.
0: So what, what
1: they make of it is, is up to them. That's the way it, it would have to be. But that doesn't and necessarily we... mean that we would change our message because we believe in our message.
0: That's right. We yeah. That's what we have to. We have to accept that. And when I was talking, I've talked before about tolerance and patience. I, and I think I don't want people to get the wrong idea. That's what I mean, what you just said. We have to accept that. And like maybe 50 years from now or 100 years from now or 200 years from now, there will be laws and I don't really know. But right now, if I walk past somebody in the street and they're eating a hamburger, I can't wrestle him to the ground, get him in an arm lock and, and have, every, you know what I'm saying? But if he was beating on a kid or, or abusing a child, I could get him in an arm lock and I'd be a hero. If I got him in an arm lock while he's eating a burger, I'd be crazy. They'd put me in jail. So we have to accept that. You know, yeah, I- that, that
1: also taps into the fact that there is that kind of gray area of attacking somebody wearing a fur coat, you see. That, that is one of those in-between cases. So Ingrid would yeah. say you, know, you can run past you know, 50 people wearing leather, leather jackets to attack somebody with a fur coat because yeah. they're more like the person beating up the child rather than the person in the McDonald's, you, you, you know. So, so they're, they're, again, they, they would say they're being realistic, you know, they, they're using, they're using oh, prevalent uh, opinion. You know, that, that, it's that, a
0: confusing message because they're confused if they think that fear is any worse.
1: Well, they, they themselves will claim that they don't, of course. It's just that they're playing on what the public uh, feels, you know. And they, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people kind of pander to the public. Yeah, um, you know they, they, they tend to think well you know we we have got to uh, we've got to pitch things at a level that the public can understand. Now that's kind
0: of insulting, I think.
1: Well, there's a people. kind of truth to that in a sense. Again, if if I if I go back to say um, social movement theory, there's this yeah. theory called frame alignment. Now okay. it talks about how you frame your argument, right? Now obviously, if yeah. you frame it within the concepts and ideas which are already accepted, then it would mean that what you're, you're saying is fairly understandable um, and people might, you know, be quite open to them. If you've got to reframe your, your argument in the first place and actually get people to think in a different way than they do normally, then your job is harder. Now, what we have to accept is that we're making our job harder if we are going to make animal rights claims rather than animal welfare claims. If we want to make our own life easier, then we would do like what most animal what? advocates do, which is make welfare claims. Because they say, okay. well, everybody knows about cruelty, and everybody's against yeah. cruelty. So if you make cruelty claims, that's one thing. Yeah. But if you then start talking about nonhumans as rights holders, and if you talk about what happens to them as rights violations, they don't understand that. This is alien to them. Okay. Well, there's, there's some truth in that, but the point is, we're, we, our job is to change things. So we've got, we've got to transmit our message, and we've got to keep it going, we've got to keep it Consistent. going. And then in yeah. terms of you know, the old um, Donald Watson thing that I quote quite often, we've got to ripen them up. We've got to ripen yeah. the public up to this new idea. The new idea is animal rights. At first yeah. they think, well, this is a, w- a weird idea, they, they're, they're going to laugh at it, they're going to sneer at it. But we just yeah. keep churning the idea out until they get used to hearing it at least.
0: Yes. Yeah, for the first time. Once they get used to
1: hearing it, then they might start to consider it. You know, which explains exactly why, if you go back to the very first page of Animal Liberation, in the nineteen eighties, and don't forget, Singer started writing Animal Liberation in the early eighties, early seventies, sorry. Seventies, yeah. Yeah. If you if you think back to the nineteen seventies, the notion of animal liberation seemed crazy, and so Uh he he starts off by saying that that's that's what he says in his first in the first words of the first uh, um, page of animal liberation say you know it sounds like a parody of human liberation doesn't it well we're at at the same stage in terms of, of animal rights because people have some idea what human rights means but as soon as you start saying non-human rights they 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 start to go what you know you move the frame you know well, what's going on there you know it, it, it takes them out of their comfort zone and so activists say well you know, keep people in their comfort zone by talking about cruelty. So again, they're thinking tactically rather than on a principle level and about social change. That they're, they're trying to use what people already think, um, almost if you like, against them. You, you know, uh, they're trying to shift shift them along. You know, push the peanut along a little bit. You, you, you right. know, by just trying to trying to discern what the public already think, and then try to frame their argument on the basis of that. Now you can kind of see there's logic to that. But if we also want to change the paradigm, we've got to make our paradigm-changing claims. And that's animal rights and that's veganism. And that's why we've got to say it. We've got to yeah. be brave enough, if you like, to be the, you know, a member of those few activists who are actually willing to say it rather than compromise.
0: People compromise. I would also say, though, that... I don't see it as a huge frame shift if you put it in the perspective of people already understand morality and they already understand slavery, and their one basic right is not to be property. Because I don't want to confuse people with the right to vote, and I don't want any jokes about the right to get a driver's license. And I think they already have that knowledge from back in the abolition days against slavery. They know it's wrong to enslave a sentient you know, being. And the fact that it's a non-human, is that what you mean? Where they're going to get all confused about it? And that's yeah, but what you we're see, I think, I think
1: you provided the perfect answer to that point, is the fact it's not it's not that hard, it's not that different. Because, like no. you say, they already do understand these broad principles. Yeah. It's just a question yeah. of where you apply them. In the same way as most men once understood the notion of, <laughs> of men have rights. And they thought, you know, women's rights is a bit weird, isn't it? Okay, and, and now, and now, you know, the 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 um, you know the, the thinking patterns have changed. Yeah, so yeah. we we've just got to uh, do the same with non-humans. But you are yeah. right. the the basic The basis of their understanding, which is human rights, is already there, yeah. and the basis of being against slavery is already there. And the yeah. idea that it's wrong to force people to to do things against their will is already there. You know. There, there was um, there was a debate on one of the forums um, yesterday about whether it's vegan to ride horses, would you believe? And um, uh. and I, I, I said, well, I, I'm not I'm not against um, horse riding, uh, providing everybody is a volunteer, and that there's, e- <laughs> e- there's equal equal weight given to the the notion of informed consent, and also yes. everybody has an equal chance of being the one on the top. <laughs> And, you know, given, the, you. given those circumstances, you know, I, I think, you know, you know horse racing <laughs> you, know, you know, riding horses would be great, you know, so long as the horses sometimes were the ones on the top, you know. And exactly.
0: You know. Yeah, good point. Yeah, you have be worried there for a second. Good one. Uh, yeah, I thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew you had to be going somewhere with that. So that's a good one. And what did they say?
1: Uh, well, I think they just thought it was a bit of a, a quip, really, because we, we ended up um, uh, there was there was one vegan who was, was in favor of it, but mm. she then, uh, then she started talking about um, horses and it's, and I took an uh, exception oh. to that, so it ended up being diverted uh, in that sense. So well,
0: I, I have to admit, I still have speciesist language in my vocabulary that I'm trying to get rid of.
1: It's very difficult, it's... you know.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's been 30, you know, whatever, 34 years of species speciesist language compared to two. So I still say it and I still say oh, that's a can of worms and all that stuff. I am trying to actively get it out of my vocabulary just because I'm trying to be consistent and I don't want to waste time with, with smart Alex who are trying to, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. But the the inter- get... interesting thing there, though, because um, uh, I know that, you know, I mean, if you think about Joan Dunia's work. Um, yeah. Her speciesism book, is, it turned out to be very controversial, but her first book, Animal Equality, I think is a very important book. And okay. uh, she talks about language. I mean, the, the subtitle is Language and Liberation, right? And um, okay. she, she's got a, a kind of entire kind of dictionary. You know, she, she wants to call fish tanks aqua prisons and that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> um, and so I wrote a review uh, for a magazine about the book when it came out. And I just knew... That nobody would take any notice of it because um, it's very difficult to even get animal advocates to say non-human animals; they just say animals, and so they also buy into this thing that there there are kind of humans and animals. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they also they don't very rarely that they say you know human animals, you know, because socially we don't do that. It's an interesting thing, even though in sociology textbooks we often see the phrase that human beings are social animals. Right? We we don't ever see the phrase that we're social mammals. We very rarely self-describe ourselves as apes.
0: Right? Yeah. Well, look, religion has a lot to blame for that one. I'm sorry. That's right. That's (laughs) right.
1: But the point is, the interesting point is that if we, when we call another human an animal, it's usually a negative thing. It's an
0: insult. It's an insult. You know,
1: yeah, I know. It's, it's right, and, and what, part part of my PhD was looking at uh, dehumanisation processes. The, these okay. processes by which people can be dehumanised to the, to, the, to the point that you can then exploit them or even kill them. Right mm. now, it's very common to dehumanise them by calling them the name of an animal, and it's uh. it's incredible that that works because if somebody okay. says, you know, you're an animal, and if the reaction was, yeah, I know that. <laughs> You know what I mean? That that would, as it were, kind of diffuse uh, the the power of of the slur. The slur only works because we don't want to be called animals. Now, why is that? Because we deny... Well, look what
0: happens. we do to them. Yeah, we. well, look what we do to what we call animals. You know, that's what we call, that's, that's funny, funny, funny because that was that was a comment that we made. I remember you had sent out and somebody had written an article about saying, you know, let's, let's not talk about rights. And I said, and I quoted my favorite quote, which is animals have one right, the right not to be property. And then after that, and then the person said, yes, but that focuses on, you know, that focuses on the non-human animals. And, you know, we're trying to get away from that. I'm trying to embrace us all into this notion of my next comment was, yes but remember, we are animals. And then I went on and said, but I, and then afterwards I said, but I do realize that, you know, most of us don't, even myself, I'm very guilty of saying animals, you know, and humans and and separating them in my own vocabulary. But, you know, when we say that quote, animals have one right, the right not to be property. Well, let's apply it to all of us, all us animals, you know, but you're right. And I, I don't know. I'm trying to get into the habit of saying non-human <laughs> animals, and I'm very—I've got a lot of unconditioning in myself to to um,
1: mm.
0: to, well, to yeah, get away we're from. All, we're
1: all under pressure. When when colleagues at my university say to me, "You know, what, what's your research area?" I say um, I look at uh, human non-human relations, and then they look at me a little bit sideways for a second, and then say, "Oh, you mean our relations with animals?" So they retranslate yeah. translate it back into the specialist terms, or just yeah. you know, you know the, the way that we normally uh, look, look yeah. at. It, you know? when, when I was writing my PhD, I um, used the phrase "fishers" instead of "fish," and of course the supervisor was getting to know me by then, and, and said, "Just check, but you meant that, didn't you?" And I said, "Yeah." <laughs> but, uh, that, Excellent. You know, um, one of the things you know, i I'm, I'm doing this thing called Animal Rights um, July. Yes a series of events at my university. Um, One of them is a film called um, A Cow at My Table. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, It's a very powerful film. It features people like like Reagan um, and also um, Ian Duncan, who makes an interesting point about the beaking, but we'll we'll probably come back to that. Um, uh, What it says in the film, there's a, a caption comes up, and it says, words are loaded weapons. And that is very true. You know, words are powerful. They are. Yeah.
0: That's just... why we're using them to do what we're doing rather than going around and throwing paint on people. Hey, Roger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, you inspired me to undo that now, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, um, talk a little bit about your animal rights, July, if you like. I think it sounds awesome.
1: Right. Well, I'm, start- I'm starting off with the... Um, with the debate which took place at the Royal Institute of Great Britain in, I think, uh, 1989. Now, that sounds like a long time ago. But (laughs) in actual actual fact, um, all all the things that come up in the debate are still relevant now. Now, the good thing about it, from an audience point of view, is that there are principal um, speakers who who give an, an initial address And some of that is available on YouTube. So, for example, um, Andrew Lindsay's one is on there. Tom Reagan's one is on YouTube. And Richard Ryder's one is on on YouTube. But then, after that period of the debate, it goes over, over to the audience. Now, that is fascinating from my point of view. Because time and time again, the audience are saying, well, I understand what animal welfare means, but what's this weird idea called animal rights? And, oh, some people, wow. and some people actually object to it and say, well, you know, the, the question, which the, the, the question is, is an odd one in a sense, because the, the, the motion is the animal, the animal kingdom de- deserves a bill of rights, or should the animal kingdom have a bill of rights, right? So it is a okay. bit of an odd question. Uh-huh. Um, and it's also interesting that Peter Singer wasn't there because it was about rights, okay? So he's not, one of the, <sighs> he's not, he's not there at all, right? Uh, um, okay. And so people in the audience are going, the question is wrong the question should be about welfare and so time and time again you get our main problem coming up which is that yeah. people, the people still have a problem with this idea of rights whereas they seem to be au okay. fait, they know what welfare means and they are saying, well yeah. everybody in this room wants wants good welfare, why why didn't you why didn't you pitch the debate about welfare, what's all this nonsense about rights you know, hmm. one of the principal um, opposers of the motion says that if you talk about human rights, you're just them about with words, you know. Yeah. You know? And, and Reagan goes, you know, you know that that just that just shows that you you just haven't read any of the literature, you know. You haven't read any of the philosophy, you know. He said, I've right. got ev- evidence that you've read this stuff, and they're going, I I have I have, you know. Jermaine oh. Greer's is going, I have, yeah, you know? and uh, oh. and Reagan's going, there's no evidence, you know. And so from from the audience's point of view, even though it's an, an old dated film, if you like. Yeah. All issues are completely live now, you know, yeah. and they're articulated because they come from the audience. They're articulated in a way that most people articulate them. And so I think it's a really valuable um, film for audiences to see themselves, but also activists or advocates to see.
0: Yeah, you know, because,
1: okay. Because it, it, it raises the kind of questions that, that they get thrown at them all the time. For example, there's. Um, a contribution by somebody from Zoocheck, which I don't think it exists anymore. It was obviously to do with capture of uh, non-humans in zoos, obviously. And um, he was countering the the common opinion, which is also prevalent in the movement, is that if you don't have pets and if you don't have direct contact with non-humans, you don't respect them. You know, as though you've got to have some slave before you can. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> slavery, you know, you, you know, you, yeah. you, you know, you, you've got, you, I don't know, you, you've got, you've got to have had sex with, the, with a trafficked woman before you can appreciate her plight or something. You know? I mean, so, but people yeah. make that point over and over again, and a lot of people in the movement say that, which is why often one of the th- main things they resist about American rights theory is the pet issue, and I know you've covered wow. that. You know?
0: Yeah, I've. H- oh, H- it's never. It never goes away.
1: It's <laughs> actually H- a big problem because there's lots of animal animal rights people, so-called, who's, who can't imagine them not having a dog on a rope. They just cannot imagine mm-hmm. a life without their dog, right? Without their, yep. you know. And yep. that part of the theory, they resist as much as somebody munching a McDonald's, because they don't, <sighs> and... they don't like that. part of The theory because it, it doesn't go with them at all, because they just uh... can't imagine themselves not being in control of a dog, you know, and, you know, yeah,
0: you know, yeah. not in control
1: okay. of the life of a cat, you know, and of course,
0: yeah. they don't
1: see it that way, because they're, oh, no, no, these are companions, these are my fur babies, you know.
0: Yeah, well, they also because, think yeah, that... oh,
1: you know, give us a break, mate, in actual fact, they're, they're your pets, you know, that's, that's, that's yeah. out here. Yeah. they're, they're, your yeah, they're, they they're, they're the things in your house, you know, yeah, they're your living right. ornaments, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what pets are. Yeah. And we can, we can dress it up and we can, can we can call them companions. And that is fooling about with words. You know, because we're, we're fooling ourselves, you know.
0: Here, here's what I, I have. I have had a big debate, um, actually, um, with um, Jordan, actually, because he says that he thinks it's funny that we're all abolitionists and we're against pets. And every single one of us has a pet or at least two or three, or we've rescued animals. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I said, you know, I, I, I actually wrote a very, heated e- a very heated email in response. Um, basically, we, we've gone back and forth on this after a while, but the way that I look at it is I think that um, – Gary's right. We have an obligation to care for the animals that we've brought into this world. I don't see anything hypocritical about abolitionists, people who are trying to say you shouldn't have a pet, caring for an animal because there's no different than peaceful prairie rescuing farm animals at the same time saying we shouldn't have farm animals. So I look at, I look at my home as a sanctuary, and I would like to think I give her the respect that she deserves, and I most likely don't because I'm a human and I've got this conditioning, but I would prefer to think of it that way in my point of view. But if I could get rid of um, you know, the institution of domestication, I would do it. I don't want there to be any pets, as much as I love having having them around, because I know it's inherently wrong. But I think that, you know, I don't think it's hypocritical, um for us to take care of the animals that we've brought into this world, whether they're on an animal sanctuary, whether they're on a you know even a wild animal that's been misplaced or whether they're a domestic animal that we've taken in. So um, there is a big, big debate about, about the whole pet issue from all different kinds of views. I haven't had a debate with anybody who says, no, I want to keep my pet, who says, but at the same time I want to be an abolitionist. That doesn't make sense to me but I have certainly had debates with people who say why do you even have a cat if you don't think that we should have them? And I say, well, what about peaceful prairie? Do you think they, sh- do you think they should not have their animal sanctuary so i like to think of my home as a buddha sanctuary as her as a mm. sanctuary for her
1: yeah and also of course we, we're back we're back to words and we're back to the notion of words yeah. of powerful weapons and even back to the notion of fooling about with words if you like yeah. because um yeah what what's what's been said of course of those non-humans is that they're refugees right yeah. now if if from an abolitionist point of view um, characterizing them as refugees is far more honest than characterizing them as companions.
0: Well, I look at them that way now, whereas before I was, I looked at her as my pet. I looked at her as my... I look at her in a different way. Let me tell you, I do. Mm. I look at her in a different way. And I'm much more respectful of her because I, you know, i um, it's not like I used to ever abuse her, but I didn't give her the credit that she deserved because she was my cat. I wanted her to. I think
1: part, I think part of that, um, part of that I think is touched on with some work that Lee Hall did, which is the notion that we tend to always infantilize the kind of oh, absolutely. Um, pet
0: yeah.
1: animals. Um, you know, how many times you know some, some, somebody's got you know an eighteen-year-old dog, yeah. and they're going, "Oh, this is my little baby," you know, "this is my little girl," and this kind of stuff. Yeah, you're thinking, you know, they they, they never allow them to grow up. In their mind,
0: they are constantly dependent on you in terms, of, but physical, but in terms yeah, of mentally.
1: Right. But you know, also just on the on the level, even 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 though you know these the non humans have, have maybe had children themselves, yeah, they tend to be seen as adults. So we True. we we're resistant yep. to see them as adults. Yeah, you know, good point. Which is a, a really kind of interesting thing. I, I once had a debate um, about four years ago now. There, there was this thing, this this kind of. Uh, emergency kind of email went round saying that they've just located a cat who's living uh, on the street and had been doing so apparently quite successfully for about three years and they were, I think they were wanting advice about how this cat could be trapped and then rehomed and my question was, why? You, you know, you know, the, the, the cat was, living, you know, living okay.
0: Was she, though? And, you know,
1: well, according to their own report, she was, okay. yes. Okay, She was doing fine, apparently. Okay. You know? And, you know, she's obviously is scavenging and stuff. I know that was an issue with you. But the, the interesting thing is, you know, we could say the same about seagulls if we wanted to. You know, kind of, well, you know, to really, really protect these birds, we'd have to bring them in and make them into pets, you know. I mean, this, this was a, a non human being that seemed to be successfully living in our own terms. Okay. Living free.
0: Well, that's a good good issue. Um, one of the things I've always thought with regard to this whole pet thing is I'm like, look, you know, if a bunch of domestic cows get out there and manage to successfully survive, we're not saying we've got to go hunt them down, trap them, catch them, take them to our sanctuary and de sex them. But we're saying, you know, domestic, domestic, the Institute of Domestication is wrong because. I know for a fact that my cat, who grew up in New York City, she she doesn't even go out the door when I open it. She's terrified. So um,
1: mm. I don't think seagulls well, yeah, are well, the so same. Again, you know, we, we see them as individuals, don't we? So again, we you know we we wouldn't make any kind of a global kind of claim about them because some would cope and some wouldn't. You know.
0: But I don't think seagulls are the same because seagulls are you know domestic animals are in their own are in their own. Um, uh, realm of, of of vulnerability but I've only ever seen cats on the street that were in terrible shape um, if there were cats living out that were doing okay and they were happy yeah I would agree with you on that I just have never seen it
1: I've only seen horrific well, well it's interesting because uh, I, I live in I live in a, a kind of apartment compound so yeah. there, there, there is a kind of gated area yeah um and then there's a kind of lawn area and, uh, you know, place for the bins and this kind of thing. And there are some kind of semi or fully f- um, feral cats okay. there. Now, one or two of them, I know, go to um, one, of, one of the houses in the compound and get fed. Yeah. But then they, then they never go inside, okay. you know. Yeah. Uh, but then they don't seem underweight. In, in, okay. in fact, you know, the interesting thing about, about thinking about whether feral cats are underweight is the fact that we've probably got to recognize yeah, that most domestic cats overweight. are overweight, right? right. So that's one thing. Because you know, a lot of people go, oh, you know, they look so skinny. And thinking, yeah, well, wait a minute, you know, that, that might be because okay. you know, most, yeah. Yeah, yeah. most of the cats are, are, are you know, too big. And then um, across the road from this compound, there's also a very big park. And there is a, a woman who feeds the properly, if you like, feral cats there. Uh, it's, it's quite cute, really, because this, this she's a, a little old woman who kind of shuffles along that, down his path, and there's a little old dog who goes w- w- with her oh, yeah. and uh, helps feed the, these cats, you know. But the point is, they're they're living in the wild, if you like, or they're living. Yeah. Uh, I should have said that, but they're they're living free. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are being fed, so they're not totally, you know, independent. Yeah. But also, there's no there's no real. Apparent need for them to be trapped and brought inside to a, to a house. Okay. You know, now people might say, well, you know, they're probably full of fleas and this kind of stuff. Well, you know, so are foxes. You know, okay. you know, we, we do we do have to have some perspective on this. I agree. You know, we can't bring, That's
0: a good We point. can't bring
1: everybody in. That's a good. You know, point. in in order to protect them. You know, at the same time, I accept that your cat probably can't cope outside. So I I wouldn't I wouldn't say, hey, Elizabeth, you know, chuck him out. Yeah. You know that. that that wouldn't right. be what I'd be advocating. But if, if we found one that was out,
0: who was healthy, and
1: seemed to be okay, yeah. you know, and, f- and from all kinds of observation, I mean, apparently this cat had been under observation for a while because they, they tried to catch this cat a few times okay. and not succeeded. So, you know, the cat was also streetwise enough to, to evade them. You
0: know? Yeah, well. And
1: so I was thinking, wait a minute, compared with, with, with others and other issues, why is this such a. But it was kind of like, you know, we must do this, otherwise this cat is going to die and this kind of stuff. And I was thinking, there's no, absolutely no evidence at all, you know, okay. for that.
0: Good point. There was
1: like a, bl- a blanket kind of principle that we, we've just got to bring them all in. Yeah, well that's a good and, point. And again, we, we've, got to, we've got to respect them as individuals, and, and we, yeah. this particular individual seemed to be doing fine.
0: Well, good point. I'm really glad that you brought that up. I think that's a really good point. Um,
1: I mean, my, my position was, well, why don't we monitor this cat? And then if she seems to get into Trouble, difficulty, then, then... we can
0: help her. Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
1: That, that, that's, that would seem to be sensible to me.
0: Okay. Because,
1: I mean, God, you know, it's, it's not as though there's a shortage of, uh, of, of cats needing homes or anything. No. You know, there's, there's no point in, yes. in dragging them off the street when there's no need for it. Uh, yeah, and and what I'm saying is there was no apparent need I'm, I'm not I'm not questioning the, the general kind yeah of that you're sure making no
0: no it. I know you're not I know you're not I actually really think it's a cool story I think it's a really
1: great yeah I, I really just do think we ought to think of it as individuals yeah. but I do I do yeah, there's going to be quite a lot that probably in that circumstance would get into trouble. And, of course, people would make the general point that they probably won't live as long as, as one that was brought in. And that's probably also true. But that would also be true of a seagull, that they, yeah. they probably won't, won't live yeah. as, as long. Yeah. You know, and we, we could rescue every fox because they won't live as long, free living as they would in a, yeah. in a house or in a shed. Yeah. Right? I and mean, all, all of that is true. It's a question of kind of you know what do you do yeah. about it. Yeah.
0: No, I hear you. No, I think that's a really great story. Um, I hope that do you know what happened? Did they leave her alone?
1: <laughs> I don't think so. Oh. I, I think I I think I was generally kind of shouted down. Okay. Uh, you know, because because a lot of people were saying things like well. She's in danger of getting run over by a car, and I said, "Yeah, well, so is the seagull."
0: Well, so is you. So is your cat. If she goes outside, I'm in danger. I, I, I'm yeah, in danger but, of know, being run over.
1: Don't forget, Elizabeth. There's, there's a lot, a lot of people now, and I think especially in the states, who are actually advocating that you don't let cats out at all ever now. But I think, I think that's, I think that's getting quite uh, common in the states, is which it is really? why, for example, yeah, I think so. Ah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I stand to be corrected here, but um, for example, I, I think that's why. Uh, the notion of dechloring is also oh a bit, god no yeah that's more prevalent in places like Japan and the oh, States no, and is no, 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 in other no. places and I think it's part of the fact that they're always inside you know so oh, they don't they, have that you know chance of scratching on a tree and this kind of stuff no, they you know? they have no idea and what in the they're... case of dogs there's a the notion of de-vocalizing. oh god yeah you know? I mean
0: this is why they shouldn't be pe- this is why we shouldn't have pets we just should not have domestic this is why these are the reasons why.
1: See, the, this... Well, you know, some people. You see, some people who call themselves animal welfare would say that if you want if you want to care for the welfare of the cat, you would declare <gasps> them. Do they
0: know what that? And
1: keep, keep keep them in all the time. My cats And you not... would de-voca- <sighs> devocalise the dog, so it, it, so so there's no problem then with the neighbours, and so there's no oh, there's no yeah. danger of the dog being taken away. <laughs> and that that then is presented as an animal welfare thing yeah. because. There's no chance then of the dog or cat ever being run over or being beaten up by a bigger dog or cat or anything like that. And so you can present that as an unwelfare thing. And I've seen that. I've had that debate on, on forums. Well,
0: Roger, I could lock you in my basement and then you'd never be in danger of being in a car accident. But does that mean that I should? Oh, thank,
1: thank you very much. Thank you, thank you very much. I forward I'm concerned
0: about your welfare, Roger. I'm concerned. The,
1: the, exact, the exact point. The, you know the exact point uh, stands with that as well of course you know we could could do that you know we could never never let a child out
0: yeah no you know, i know
1: because the, the world is dangerous out there well that is true yeah you know and, it, and if you do if you do let a cat to the backyard and the cat jumps over the, the fence yeah you know as the ones in the park around me do you know there's lots of cats in in, in the houses but they all come into the park yeah and then dogs running around and they get chased by Adults. Well, they hurt so each other a, too. There is a great danger there, but you know, what do you do about it? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I suppose because when I think back to my life, I, I mean, I was born—I was actually born next to a farm.
0: Oh, okay. And so,
1: yeah, I, and so I, um, you know, because the, you know, the stories about the entire village being being called out because they thought I'd fallen into the bottomless uh, pit or something—it turned out I was asleep in a bed somewhere. But uh, apparently the entire village was, was looking for me at one point. But um, it, it was one of those situations where, you know, everybody kind of knew each other. And, and I was, uh, my, my mother had the local shop and, yeah. and there was a, an actual farm next door. You know, so I was I was playing there all the time. And of course, there, the, you know, the, the dogs were seen as kind of working animals, but then there was always the, the cat who was never allowed in the house. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there was there was, there was like a, you know, a little society of cats who we were never allowed in the house there, yeah. you know. Now, I know you can't transport that to New York City, but... Um, right, no, that's you, true. Yeah, I just think it emphasizes the fact that you, you go on a case-by-case basis, I think.
0: I agree, I still... But you agree that we shouldn't have, you know, pets, obviously. I mean, I'm getting that you agree with that. So, Spike, all of these arguments are, are, are valid now, but they still, you know, they still don't... I don't think it's... Um, I try not to get wet when, when um, I hope that people, I just hope that people don't um, lose the sight of the real issue. I think that we can go on off on all kinds of tangents. I think you have- Well, I think
1: in your animal rights campaign, Elizabeth, you're probably going to meet quite a lot of resistance on this pet issue. Well, I've already... Um, yeah. also, also from um, animal advocates, I think they'll respond in two ways. A, themselves. They can't imagine not having pets. But also, they think it's a bad message for the public to hear. So they think that you're making a tactical mistake saying it.
0: Well, I, you're being too truthful. I don't go there unless people bring it up. But like I say, like, I will not change my message. So I don't go up to people and say, Hi, I want to talk to you about veganism. And by the way, I don't think we should have any cats or dogs at all. And I mean, that includes Fluffy down there. You know, I don't even go there because right now that's so far from reality anyway we don't even have to deal with that issue because we're still eating you know animals so I don't but if people but if people if that, if I say go on Gary Francian's website and they go on Gary Francian's website and they read that we should and they come back to me and say you know how you talk I, I will not, I'm not going to stand there and kowtow to them and say well no I don't really believe that I'm going to straight up say yeah I totally agree but I don't bring it up first But I certainly will not change the message. What I tell people is, look, why do you even care about that anyway? That's not going to affect you anyway. Please go out and adopt 10 dogs from the shelter right now, please. And give them a home until the day that they die. And then go and adopt 10 more. Um, We're talking about, the, you know, let's talk about your diet. (laughs) Do you know what I mean?
1: Mm. Yeah, I I think uh, broadly speaking, that's exactly my thing. I I don't, I don't bring it up, but if people ask me, if people ask me, um, I'm not going to. I'm willing to to tell the truth. I have
0: to do that. I, I'm not going to compromise the message, but I don't bring that that up, and it's not, and that is being tactical. I think that I think we have a very clear and logical sort of way of doing things, and the the bottom line is we're telling the truth.
1: um... Yeah, but I suppose they could just be reacting to the counter-movement because if you look at the counter-movement literature, it's kind of not not only do these people want to take your stakes away from you, they also want to take your pets away from you and they're going to force you not to have them. And so they're responding to that.
0: Well, we can't force anybody to do anything. We're asking them to, to think about it and to make that decision. And hopefully they'll come up to that decision. But we can't force anybody to, to not to do anything. Well, especially now. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the future in a couple of hundred years when we do have 20, 30, 40% of the world vegan and we still have, you know, 50, 60% of the world not vegan. Do you know what I mean? I see that being where the conflicts really begin, don't you? But right now we're not even there.
1: Yeah, you also raised this issue about um, force, because some people do try and force people to do things uh, by passing legislation, right? And obviously there's, there's the force that comes from direct action, I suppose. Um, and it raises some fundamental issues about whether we should force people rather than convince them. For example, one of, one of the, the the big disasters in Britain in recent years, after 40, 50 years of campaigning, me, is, is, is the, the ban on hunting, so-called, <laughs> which um, has been passed in um, England and in Wales and in Scotland and Northern Ireland, I think. Um, yeah, well... And it's a complete disaster. Yeah, well, you know? has hunting uh, stopped? Uh, uh, well, the, the, the apparently there's more hunting now than, it, than there yeah, was there. Yeah,
0: I, I yeah. don't... And
1: yeah. The, 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 way of, the way of killing is apparently more cruel mm-hmm. from a welfare point of view th- th- than before. Oh, okay. There's lots lot more um, snaring going on apparently. Oh. Um, you know, Now whether, whether any of this is true I'm not terribly sure okay. because obviously people are going to make these kind of claims. Sure. But uh, sure. it certainly seems to be the case that there are more supporters of hunting now. And that the the people who used to go hunting still do. It's just that they do it in a different way. And so the mm-hmm. argument has not been won mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been no cultural sh- shift at all. Yeah. It's just there are one set of people who have forced another set of people to adapt to a new law. That's all that's happened.
0: Right. And they didn't, ad- they didn't adapt, you know, did they?
1: No, they just got around it. They just found lots and lots of loopholes. Yeah. For example, it's still, it's still legal to flush a fox with hounds or dogs. But it's not legal to kill them with them. So they now flush the fox with the hounds and then release a bird of prey to kill the fox, okay. which is still legal. Because when you when you look back at this 30 or 40 years of campaigning, and you know going back to the League Against Cruel Sports and, and and so forth, yeah. there was virtually no animal rights input to that discourse whatsoever. Um, it was all about animal welfare. Right. It was all about conservation. It was all about pest control. Yeah. It was all all about the rights of of uh, farmers and landowners mm-hmm. and this kind of stuff. And and you know if if you were to try and uh, find you know a few sentences which actually was anything near animal rights? You, you know, you, you'd be able to count them on one hand. You know, mm. there was a, a, you know, virtually no animal rights discourse whatsoever, and so there was no change in consciousness.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, all you got was the majority of people who were opposed to hunting for whatever reason now forced people yeah. not to, to do hunting in the way that they normally did it, and so they adapted.
0: Yeah, and that's another reason why I don't see the point in going after government bodies or like they you know to try to get them to pass laws on um on um i don't know factory farming or whatever well we, this is stuff mm-hmm. that i mean i'm i mean we we're i guess that's one
1: of the radical things about sir uh, gary Francione, isn't it yeah although, i was just gonna say are you, he's, a law, he's a law professor yeah he doesn't the. We well, go for law. Well
0: I trust somebody who's been on the inside and comes out saying, That ain't gonna work, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah more than that that's right.
0: So um, that,
1: that's right you know, because I mean my, my phrase for that is the fact that we try to regulate atrocities, right? Yeah. And it's a very, very difficult thing to do. Yeah. You know. What we're trying to do is we're trying to force speciesists to make yeah, changes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In a speciesist society, to... yeah.
1: Yeah, and they they don't want they don't want to make these changes. You know they resist it, and um, there's no monitoring. You know, and yeah. time and time again, you see that the the um, you know the example of the RSPCA Freedom Foods.
0: Oh, you know gosh. where they
1: they certificate, uh, you know they, they give certificates to to people um, to abide by certain rules, and then you know as soon as you go in there with, with, with you know with a camcorder, you find that all these rules have been broken. You know because there's no monitoring, the, the RSPCA, although it's the richest animal welfare group. Probably in the world, say they don't have enough money to monitor it, so they've got this scheme. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's the thing. To, so they make you know, all these claims, projects. but do you see them going in there with their cameras into their so-called free-range farms and putting out the footage? I don't think so.
1: Yeah, you know, the, the thing is, you know, when you know, in the real world, you know, if we do want to get practical, this notion of monitoring things. You know, I used to be a projectionist, and we used to be monitored by the, the fire chief. We always used to know what was coming, Yeah. and so everything that. That he couldn't see, we used to hide. Yeah, you know. And then when he when he when he went, we'd get it all back out again. You know. Yeah. Uh, and the you know the the idea that, that, that any other industry is going to be different, you know, is, is just whistling in in the wind. You know, we we knew when we were going to be inspected. Yeah. You know, and people like uh, Angela Waller used to be the scientific advisor for the for the BIV, mm. uh Said that I mean she she was also a researcher first, like a lot a lot of them um, were, mm. and she mm. said that uh, the inspectors wouldn't go in to the to the actual lab areas because they didn't want to get hairs on their suits. The idea that we can regulate these atrocities that we're doing to non humans is, is 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 a falsehood in the first place. Well, we shouldn't you know, even. First of be... all, we've got to think about the legislation. We've got to make the changes. Yeah. Then you've got to monitor them. Yeah. If you look at the entire system, yeah. it's it's just not gonna gonna work. You know, who's gonna monitor? Who's gonna monitor Peter's new? CAC system. Yep,
0: yeah, exactly. You know,
1: control that. Who's going to monitor that? It's a
0: total waste you know? and it's the wrong issue anyway. So we just don't even yeah. want to talk about that. I don't even want to talk about that with people. I don't even I mention. Tell you what, I guarantee
1: you, I mean, the, the, the PC system in Canada is not going to come in for another six years or so. But I can guarantee you that within 15 years, we're going to have videos showing how cruel it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to have people going in there with secret film to show how bad it I is. I wish
0: like. they'd do it right from the get go. That's what I, that's yeah. the thing so I, that's why I don't even um, mention I, I wait for people to mention stuff. I, I say what I what I think is right. I'm certainly not going to tell them to 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 go and, and, um, and, and buy free range no matter what because bottom line it's wrong. It's all wrong. So how can I even begin to even, even if you hadn't said all of that stuff that you just said, which is all very true and logical um, and actually is a, a evidence and physical, practical evidence to the, why this doesn't work. The bottom line is, it's, it, we sh, you know, it's wrong to kill a living thing for pleasure. So all of those other things, are, they're just more proof as to why welfare doesn't work. But the real argument, which I try to get people to focus on, I like to get hold of people before they've even heard of safe for peter and it's not an easy thing to do because everybody's heard of them but i like to get a hold of them before they've even heard of them so that if they do suddenly get interested and say hmm i like them to go into it with the sort of message that we're giving so that when they do go on their web pages they can look at it and say these people are crazy <laughs> why are they telling me yeah. to go
1: and uh, is, is, is safe the kind of peter yes. version down there yes
0: absolutely oh, safe right. is, is See, what what,
1: what uh, and do they characterize themselves as an animal rights group or a welfare group
0: Oh, I don't know. I haven't gotten into fizz, f- f- um, a lot of f- discussions with them about it. I would assume they consider. It. I don't. I, I think so. Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah. I don't I mean, know. That's that's my main complaint about Peter. I mean, I, as you might know, I've got a petition about Peter, and, yeah. and Peter saying Peter telling me that I'm wasting my time. But um, <laughs> I, I really just want them to be honest. And as say their as welfare. We, we to be, well, no, not necessarily. Just. To, 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 I mean, if they don't like the word welfare. Um. They can think of the name they want, they, they can be animal liberationists if they want, but what they're not is animal rights people, Okay. and that's clear. Well, I don't you know? know about I mean,
0: SAFE. I don't want to make a judgment on them in that regard. I haven't no. read enough, I haven't discerningly read enough of, of what their literature is to make that claim, so I, can't, I couldn't tell. Yeah, but
1: what concerns me is that, you know, if you've got, I mean, say, for example, that SAFE do characterize themselves as animal rights, yeah. because they're so so big and established, as it were. Oh, yeah. In the same sense as with Peter, then what you're going to have is you're going to get some teacher who sets some pupils their animal rights project, and you know they get onto Google Mm -hmm. and they Google animal rights and who comes up? And then the last thing they get then from this animal rights site is an animal rights theory. That that, that's my objection.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean,
1: I, I, in actual fact, I don't. I don't expect you know because often you, you you get the impression with um, with Gary sometimes he, he, he criticises the waste of money. Yeah. Uh, as as though well you know if say the HSUS or Peter had not spent it here they could have spent it there that kind of thing. Yeah. I I tend to to expect them to do welfare because they're welfareists right. Yeah. And but. I think what, what's not fair, what is actually divisive. I mean, they, they call they call abolitionists divisive, but it's the other way around. It's the, it's the other way around yeah, completely. Yeah. They're divisive because they are not allowing the rightists to, to, to have the name animal rights. Right. You know, and and they say, well, you know, your, your version of animal rights, you know, what what you know, why is that superior than, than mine? Mm. And you know, I think somebody who comes from the background of Reagan could say that. But somebody who comes from the background of singer can't say that because they're they're not rights in the first place. Right.
0: Well, doesn't he admit that? What well, singer? Doesn't he say I'm not an? Animal- oh yeah. S-
1: S- Singer complained very early on, not not long after the publication of Animal Liberation. He he actually said I re- I regret using
0: the word right the word
1: right yeah and I could have I could have dispensed with it um, yeah altogether all and 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 for many years he's kind of um, complained you know usually in academic. Uh, uh, settings. He's complained about the fact that that he's regarded as, as a rights theorist, okay. and at the same time he's gone along with using rights rhetorically in the same way as Peter do. Um. And so Peter Singer says things like, "I use rights as political shorthand," and what Peter say, uh, Peter as in the group rather than Peter yeah. Singer. Um, they they say, "Well, we use rights as a convenience." There's a couple of their representatives come to Ing- uh, to Ireland not long ago. They said openly in open debate that they use rights as a component. So, convenience. why do they
0: object it if we say that, or if people say, well, you're not, why do, why do they get upset then? They admit it. Why do they get upset? Well,
1: it's, well, it's a very good question, Elizabeth. Why, why won't they give, give up the name?
0: Yeah, well, if, if,
1: they, if they don't care about it. Yeah. You see, the point is that's why they're so de- divisive because they know by reading Gary Francione. Yeah. They know that there are some people who want to take rights seriously, who want to base their ideas on the notion of rights. Okay. Now they don't want to do that, and so if they don't want to do that, why do they care so much about the name? Yeah. Why? I've asked this question over and over again, and I never seem to be able to get a a straight answer to it, because it doesn't make sense to me that they're so passionately wanting a name of something that they don't believe in. Yeah.
0: That is very... You know,
1: it's kind of like a there's a kind of weird kind of craziness about it. I mean, on the one hand, you've got, you, you've got the equivalent of um, Amnesty International being guided by a philosopher who doesn't believe in human rights. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what Peter is, right? Yeah. That's the equivalent there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. But, you know, why would such a group then want to be called a human rights group if that was the case, that their philosopher didn't believe in human rights? But that's, that's the craziness of Peter. Mm. Their philosopher doesn't believe in human rights, no. uh, animal rights, yeah. or human rights. <laughs> but they want the name animal rights. They want the name animal rights, presumably because it sounds more radical than animal welfare or something. It's not as though there's a shortage of names. No, they, they, they do not They don't even have the name rights in their title.
0: Right. So they don't,
1: they don't, as much as Singer doesn't need rights, they don't need rights. So why not let it uh, go to the people who want it mm. to be the basis of their claims-making? Well,
0: they're not stopping us from... Using it, um, do you think they're confusing the general public with us? You mean, or
1: I think I think I think they're misleading the general public. Well, I mean they are,
0: but I'm saying about us. I'm saying, do you think that they're trying to tell the general public that we're not rights, or they don't even go there? That's what I mean.
1: Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, if you if you think about you know if we assume that they're utilitarians, now utilitarians don't care about rights-based thinking, yeah, and probably in that sense they don't really care if. If the interests of rights-based thinking uh, is damaged, yeah. So perhaps there is almost a kind of well, we you know we're, we're opposed to, to rights to the extent that we would actually like to see it damaged,
0: rather oh, than just thinking. Gosh. Oh I didn't.
1: Even... Yeah, I mean it's possible. I mean you know Peter Singer could possibly. You know the famous thing about utilitarians think that rights are nonsense on stilts, right? Yes. So it's quite possible, you know, that. Um, that Peter think that rights, as a, as a philosophical matter, are nonsense on stills. And so rather than just thinking, well, let the rightists have it, yeah, as it were,
0: yeah.
1: they, they actually um, don't care if it, if it gets misrepresented, mm-hmm. they don't care if it gets distorted, and they don't, they don't care if it gets damaged as an idea, because they don't really ultimately have any feeling for it yeah it's, and so, in that sense, I claim they're the ones that are divisive because they don't they won't allow the writers to be called writers okay. they want the name writers even though they themselves don't want the philosophy most most of them want the name and they reject the philosophy it's they want they want to talk it the
0: is, talk, but they don't walk which is there <laughs> they don't walk the walk
1: yeah something like something like that i'm sure that, I'm sure there's some pithy phrase that, that could <laughs> you know, encompass all, all, all that. But, you know, from an outside point of view, and, and as now I am an academic, it's interesting, because, yeah. of course, um, a- academics kind of look at the animal rights movement and think, gosh, this is, this is, this is strange. Yeah. Be- because they can, they can see the contradictions. You know? Oh, yeah, okay.
0: So, but if, if, if they look- can see the contradiction, it doesn't take an academic, though. I don't think it does don't you see don't you think joe blow the plumber could see the difference if he was allowed to even think about it
1: well i think i think joe blow the plumber might have difficulty when when if they do google oh animal right rights and yeah they, okay they, they get onto peter and then if you go to the peter the usa peter site yeah on their first page you get a link to something called why animal rights oh yeah and that links directly That links directly to some pages from Peter Singer's Animal Liberation. Okay. So they're deliberately deliberately misleading. If you go to their online shop and look at their blurb about Animal Liberation, they call it an animal rights philosophy book. And they know that's not wrong. They're deliberately lying about it. They don't stock anything from uh, Gary, of course. After Rain Without Thunder, they're probably not going to do that. But they don't stock anything from Tom Reagan either.
0: Right, okay.
1: So you've got this, the biggest animal rights group in the world don't stock any animal yeah. rights philosophy. The biggest animal rights group in the world only stock the philosophy of somebody who's opposed to rights. How logical is that?
0: It's, it's very unfair and detrimental, and it's hurting, you know, it's hurting what they're claiming to try to be doing, which is helping all the non-human animals who are, you know, being enslaved. So I think that's despicable. I think that's despicable. I mean, I, you know, philosophical debate and all that aside, I think that's absolutely despicable, personally. And
1: yeah, well, I agree. But obviously they, 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 would, they would counter by saying that, you know, they're, they're doing the best thing that can be done for non-humans. And so it's probably in the interest of non-humans for people to be fooled into thinking that they're a rights group because they don't, they don't want them to, to go to Francione because Franciolans is going to put them off by, by saying that pets are wrong or well, Francione's going to put them off by saying you must be vegan.
0: <laughs> but how do they think it's going to help animals if people don't go vegan? How is it going to help?
1: They're- well, because, as we know, they think, they think that that claim is, is okay so long as you pitch it in a very political kind of way. Kind of, well, you know, eventually, you know, kind of, well, you know, if you can be vegan straight away, that's great. But, you know, we expect most people can't be so, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, they- we, we know how they pitch it. They, they, try, they try and be kind of careful. Mm because they don't want to alienate anybody, because they want everybody to be their members. Yeah, you know?
0: they want the money. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know,
1: and they want everybody who goes to KFC to be their members, Yeah, clearly. yeah,
0: you know, yeah. They want
1: all their members to get married at KFC, presumably, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, there's, there's, there's something going on, you know, and I'm not saying that there's probably, there's probably an internal logic to it, it's just that I find it offensive, like you, you do, because they are silencing a, a group of people who have got a principal position on, on uh, human and human relations. Yeah. And they're effectively silencing, or uh, they, they have done. They
0: have. The inter- yeah, now they can't.
1: You know, when you interviewed Gary, I think he talked about the internet quite a bit. Yeah. And, of course, the internet has really made the difference. They can't silence. That's... They can't silence him now.
0: I know. Now,
1: Reagan they could silence. I mean, before the days of the internet, they were able to silence Reagan
0: by not know? publishing his books, by not allowing him to go to any gatherings, by not a public, yeah, by not an- even promoting his name.
1: Well, they couldn't physically stop him going to conferences and stuff, but they could certainly they not publish, his... publicize him, yeah. and they, you know, not sell his book. And if they always put an liberation first, yeah, because Peter say. You know, if you only read one animal rights book ever, then this is the one you should read. And so, the the one animal rights book that they're recommending is not even an animal rights book. It, it's almost as though you couldn't make this stuff up.
0: I know. Well, I try to. Um, I when I'm down here, for example, in New Zealand, what I'm, you know, I'm trying to be very local about this, and I really want to, um, it has been silenced down here, um, this message, and yes, obviously, people have access to the internet, and they could have gone on Gary's site, but they were never directed there, you know, they went on Safe's site, and Safe directed them to Peter, and Peter directed them to, you know, so, in a way, it was, even though with the internet, so it took us to come down here, and say, I'm not, you know, I'm not going along with you guys, you know, and, um, and I'm, it's, um that's what I love—the fact that we're, it's becoming worldwide. Because you get, you know, everybody, you know, people, people, people can go on to, to the site and see it, and then they can take the message back. And then all it is is a click of the mouse to this one website that's not on anybody's links. You know, none of the welfare of the big big groups' links, and then other people that is on their links. So now we're we're starting to make it happen. And it did all start from that website, and that is the only way that it that it could start. But the way to keep it continuing is to even alert people. I mean, if they could, they'd wipe that website off the off the you know of the, um, off the wi- I'm,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm sure they would yeah. hey one question for you Elizabeth yeah. is mouse clicking vegan
0: oh oh gosh <laughs> oh you yeah, see I'm,
1: I'm sure it is but go, going back going back to the serious matter of the internet I, you know part of my um, animal rights uh, July is that I'm um, Gary is doing a, um, a lecture live by, by Skype
0: yes well it's going to be recorded um, so, we hope yeah, that's what we want right
1: yeah I'm hoping to do that yeah, yeah in fact I was asking somebody yesterday they said that it, it is technically possible not, not by myself but it is technically possible Good. and um, I, I think we ought to have a, a, a kind of you know Gary Francione world Skype tour don't you I mean, that you would know, be we,
0: fantastic
1: yeah why, 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 why don't you organize one for New Zealand you know?
0: I would love to I would love to. I am going to go back to. You can always. You can
1: always uh, I'm sure you can. Uh, you can book a hall in, in, a, in a local um, university. You know? Well,
0: I'm going to go back to uni next month. I'm going back to school, so I'm really going right. to start making. No excuse.
1: You, you start your own rights group, I, and there you, you you get the funding.
0: Yeah, you know? I would
1: love to. You'll even get the state paying for Gary Francione to uh, to appear on on the screen.
0: Well, you what, know, what be I, I would love to do that, and I I would love to get him on the local radio. They they interviewed. Um You're right, I could do a local university thing. I think that the television media, although you and I had talked about that and you'd had really good ideas about that, but I'm definitely keen on getting that going. And I can't wait to go into my university and start my little, you know, let's come and talk about this. And um, I I think it would be fantastic to set up a video conference with Gary too. Um, people who are, in, you know, people who I could get to go along. Um, I think that you've started a great idea. He better, he better clear up his schedule. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> He's terrible.
1: Hey, uh, uh, maybe, maybe I could be his agent.
0: There you go. Oh my god. Agent. <laughs> oh, <it'd be> fantastic. <laughs> Well, anyway, I just want to make a little plug. Sam um, has started, you remember, New Zealand Dairy Cruelty website started by 13-year-old Sam Tucker. He, as far as I know, is going to be interviewing Gary Francione. He started a new website called New Zealand Teen Vegan or com. He's also got a podcast, and it's about abolition. He's having Gary Francione on. Um, you know, I, I hope that they can work that out in the schedule. I think that's, that's what's going to happen. So, um, you see, all it takes is a couple of people and we can make it happen. So um,
1: I, listen, I listened to the podcast yesterday. It was very good. So, uh, I, I, would, uh, I would recommend it to everybody. I would endorse your uh, endorsement.
0: Yes, wonderful. I'm very, very happy. So, I'm just happy... Thank you so much for coming on and for, you know, putting up with my questions and um, for all the amazing insight. I would love to have you back um, on the show one day.
1: Well, I will certainly agree to do that. It's been a pleasure.
0: Fantastic. So, I'm going to post a link to... Have you got a link to your animal rights? You've got a link to it on your... To the schedule and to what you're doing, I think it's such a great thing. And you know, other universities. Yes, it, it,
1: if you go to my main blog uh, on uh, relations.com yeah. then you'll see. I I did I did post something about uh, you know the story about Bella and Tara. Yes. Do you know. Do you know about this. Yes. Yeah. So I I posted an up, uh, update on it, which is, you know it's quite quite a cute little story. The elephants. So just below that. Okay. Just below that. There's, a, there's an entry about uh, Animal Rights July. I think when you open open up the blog, it can, you can actually see it straight away. You don't have to scroll down or anything.
0: All right. So keep an eye out for that. It's, I, I loved looking at it, and I thought, yeah, it would be great to – I think your students and the people at the university are very, very lucky, and um, I think it's wonderful. So I would love to be able to do something um, like that, similar, um, with maybe some um, – some help from some professor at the university i'm going to we'll see um and other than that um you've got on human non-human relations and there's a link on my blog and um anyway we'll be in touch and just thanks again for coming on the show
1: thank you very much and take care you
0: too bye bye now all right that was uh the end of my interview with Roger Yates. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. I certainly learned a lot and it was was fascinating stuff. I really want to thank Roger for taking the time out of his busy schedule to come on the show and talk to me. And if anybody has any comments or questions, please email me at nzveganpodcast at me.com. And the blogspot address is nzveganpodcast.blogspot.com. I'll be back next week. Bye.